good evening, and welcome to Graveyard Shift, the podcast I make when I can't sleep at night. My name is Morgan, and I'm a music major at University of Alaska, and normally I talk about specific pieces of classical music, but I'm going to switch it up a little bit today. Today I'm going to be talking about the genre of jazz in an extremely compressed version. So mostly before, I've talked about classical and romantic composers, and all of those were European. But jazz is something that's purely American, and as America is a fairly young nation, jazz is a fairly young genre. So while the European styles took decades and centuries to grow, the fact that jazz had such early and easy access to things like radio or records or jukeboxes made it grow quite a bit faster. A little bit of a disclaimer, I myself am not a jazz musician. I played guitar in my school's jazz band for a year. I was pretty terrible. But jazz is something I really enjoy because it takes the part of music that you feel kind of in your heart and plays it out. Like when you hear Mozart or you hear Haydn, like, yeah, it's cool to listen to academically. But it's not really easy music to, say, dance to. But jazz is made just to be enjoyed, not to be looked at like a specimen under a microscope. But back to the disclaimer, I don't claim to be an expert on jazz. I mostly just read the stuff from Wikipedia and watched it on YouTube and from what I remember. That being said, I've probably done more research than most people listening to this podcast. So a definition of jazz is actually really disputed. Even the like official music dictionary doesn't want to give us a solid definition. So for the sake of this podcast, I'm just going to define it as a collection of subgenres, and we'll get into why that is later. Jazz has roots way back to the slavery years of America. When black people were brought over from Africa, they were stripped of all of their material belongings. All they had left was the music in their head. So as generations passed and they would be working on farms with horrific labor for really long hours, they would sing to help pass the time to distract them and to use music as an escape. Well, eventually slavery ended. And so, as they disbanded, new musical genres began to form. One of those was the blues, which we're not going to talk about in this episode. But right around the turn of the century, right around 1900, the development of ragtime was a huge step towards jazz. Ragtime is so named because it features syncopation, which is the emphasis of offbeats. So, if I were to do something like do do, do, do. A syncopated rhythm would sound like do, 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 thus giving it a different kind of ragged feel. And so that's why they called it ragtime. And I'm going to play for you the first 30 seconds or so of The Maple Leaf Rag by Scott Joplin, which was one of the first ragtime hits. And it was enjoyed all the way up until the World Wars, and it regained popularity in the 70s again. 
And as you listen to it, just focus on how it makes you feel. It's catchy, it's dancey, it gets stuck in your head, and you want to hear more of it. And this version I have for you is played by the composer himself, so enjoy. I love that piece. So I moved out of my room and I'm recording in a different spot, so I'm sorry if I sound more echoey or if you can hear my roommates. Jazz was really focused in New Orleans in kind of the shadier parts of town. New Orleans was a great place for a genre to develop because it was kind of a crossing point of people in the Caribbean and then people in the South and everyone up and down the Mississippi Delta. So this is why I say jazz is more of a collection of subgenres than a big genre itself. It had influences from everywhere in that part of the globe. So we have your Hispanic-influenced jazz, we have your Creole-influenced jazz, we have your Haitian-influenced jazz, and then we have your all-American Southern jazz, and then we have jazz from the North. And so there's all these different genres that all come together to mix and grow in New Orleans. A lot of that growth happened in Storyville, which is the Red District part of New Orleans, because jazz was mainly a black style of music because of its roots, and segregation was rampant at that time and absolutely legal, and it was awful. And so the only spaces available for them to play in were brothels and bars. So that already didn't give them a great image. And at the time, the prohibition movement was going. It was having a great time. Prohibition would be enacted in 1920. And in 1917, Storyville was shut down, and the performers were chased out to other places. And jazz, being linked with Storyville and everything that came with it, was originally really looked down upon, especially by the white people. The white people did not like it at all. Of course, everyone's super religious still at the time, and they link prostitution and alcohol drinking and jazz all in the same boat. So all through the 1910s and 20s, jazz remains sort of an underground, sketchy style of music with black musicians. But as time progressed into the 30s, the bands stopped being segregated and more white players were playing with the black players, and bands began to be mixed race, which is huge for the 1930s. If you think about it, the civil rights movement didn't even happen until the 50s and 60s. And even after then, there's a lot of racism. So the 30s were definitely ahead of their time. So up until the 1920s, jazz was purely American, and it was only American influences. But Europe began to catch on, and especially in France, jazz took hold. This was partly due to the fact that the First World War brought American soldiers overseas, 
and they brought jazz with them, and the French heard that and were like, oh, this is pretty cool. And so they started replicating it to make their own kind of off-brand version. But in America is where the OG style really developed. Bebop came around in 1940s, and Bebop is intense. It's the first kind of jazz that wasn't meant to be danced to, and it's referred to a lot as musician's music. It's very fast. There's a lot of intricate things that just make it fun to play, not necessarily fun to listen to. So I'm going to play you a brief example of Bebop, and it's called Salt Peanuts by Dizzy Gillespie, and it's not the easiest to listen to, so I'm not going to subject you to too much of it, but listen to how it's quite a bit different from even the music you're used to hearing and how it's definitely not meant to be danced to, and it's just kind of weird. It's different from other forms of music because, like I said, it's really fast. It also has some interesting chord progressions and with lots of key changes in improvisation and just occasional references to the melody in the improvisation. But it's still jazz. It has that movement feeling that Maple Leaf Rag does. So please enjoy a short selection from Salted Peanuts by Dizzy Gillespie. you can probably feel how this would just be great to play but to listen to not as much you can't dance to it it's hard to kind of feel to it so it's a bit difficult to listen to and in the recording we heard some brass we heard some winds we heard some drums and piano in kind of a bigger band which is definitely a mark of the 40s before the world war happened World War II was kind of a turning point for jazz for a couple reasons. Uh, conscription brought a lot of the able-bodied men out of the band and into the military, so there weren't as many people to play in bands like they used to. Younger people were accepted more into the bands, which brought a lot of new, fresh blood. And as a result, jazz got even more experimental. Things became faster, wider sets of notes were used, things became even more complex, and as a result, jazz kind of fell out of popularity. It wasn't straightforward anymore. When you said you like jazz, you had to specify if you like this kind of jazz or this kind of jazz, and people just didn't find as much joy in listening to it, and so they turned their attention towards other genres. Mainstream jazz at that point became more of what we know as just easy listening, or also called cool jazz, which is one of my favorite eras. I'm going to play you a song that was released in 1951 by Ella Fitzgerald and Louis Armstrong, which are two jazz big names, big figures. They're absolute legends. And Ella Fitzgerald, I'm actually doing this episode on jazz because I'm going to a concert based on her music tomorrow, 
but she was phenomenal. She was a black woman who succeeded in breaking a lot of barriers for women of color. And one thing remarkable about her is that she had perfect pitch, which is where you have an amazing ear and relationship with the name of the notes and the sound of the notes. So in this excerpt, you'll hear her kind of use her voice as an instrument, which is called scatting. And her singing is so on point, it's perfectly in tune. Louis Armstrong is also singing with her. He's also the one playing the trumpet at the beginning. And his voice is rougher due to many years of smoking illicit substances. But he is an exceptional singer as well. And in the song, we hear a lot of the hallmarks of jazz. We hear accent, a lot of accented things in the background. Lots of syncopation by the singers. Um, there's a walking bass in the background. And we have the 12 bars blues progression going. In particular, I really like this song because it reminds me of Britney Spears' Oops, I Did It Again, just about 60 years before. And I think this is going to be the last thing I'm going to play for you guys. I'll play it for the full length. And honestly, I could go on and on about jazz because it's so rich in history. There's so much depth to it. But you got to stop somewhere, and this is where I'll stop for now. So, as always, feel free to contact me at officialoboe on Instagram with comments, concerns, complaints, or anything else. If you want to send me suggestions of pieces to put on the podcast, I will happily take those into consideration as well. So briefly, I'm going to give you a few things to listen for. Listen to how sophisticated the genre has become. There's structure to it. There's a lot of stuff going on, but they're all together. They're all in the same time. There's not a lot of key changes or time changes. And it's very reminiscent of the pop we listen to today. So here is Oops by Ella Fitzgerald and Louis Armstrong. The moment that we met, my heart went oops, I never will forget. My heart turned hoops the moment that I met you. Oops, my feet went oops, I nearly took a spill. My knees went oops, they shook a bit until my head went oops, you mustn't let it get you. I was going for a very called solitary sort of stroll Just a twiddle of my thumb When I heard a lot of drum Begun to pound and roll And oops, my heart went oops It went into a spin Of loop-de-loops You must have thought me kin To nincompoops The silly way I acted of course you wouldn't know that you were so aglow and I was so attractive. But baby, take a bow. My heart is going oops right now. Oops, my heart went oops. 
color that my eyes behold your chops you lift me to the skies my heart flip-flops you shouldn't make it make like that my buxom bell I'm still in love with you cause truth to tell and always kinda knew that we would gel cause jam could never shake like that I was going for a frantic but completely unromantic sort of drive but I knew you wouldn't quit when I dug you and you hit me with that old time jive a heart went oops Sitting on the stoops The local droops They nearly flipped their tubes I mean in groups The silly way we acted Of course they couldn't know That you were so aglow And I was so attracted Yes baby, take a bow My heart is going oops Oops, oops 